when it comes to trauma and when it comes to sex, you can't just think your way out of it. And Mm. you really have to address it in the body, which feels really scary, but it is the only way to work through it and recreate that safety that you need and want to have a good sexual relationship. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband in Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex love, marriage, ex marriage, divorce, ex divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband in Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. My friend, welcome back. Real quick before we dive into today's episode, I want to remind you that tickets are for sale and early bird pricing is open for the workshop that I am hosting in Boise, Idaho. It is going to help you move forward after you've experienced crisis in your relationship, whether you have experienced betrayal or had a partner come out. This is going to be your opportunity to be able to connect with other women who are going through something similar to feel seen, to feel supported, and most importantly, to gain clarity about what it is you want and feel empowered to claim your voice and claim what it is you want. And that's the real key here is that we want you to know what it is you want and be able to take the steps forward to be able to get that. There is also an offer for a VIP brunch that I hope you will join me at as well that has very limited spots. So if you are signed up for the VIP workshop, be sure to claim your spot for the next day for the VIP brunch, where we will get into live coaching in a very intimate setting while enjoying amazing food, drinks, and all of the things. I hope to see you there. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce to you today Amanda Louder, who is a sex coach, and she is so amazing. I love her perspective. I love how she walks us through taking back our sexuality, reclaiming our sexuality for us. And I say reclaiming, this might be the first time that you are claiming your own sexuality. If we have been through crisis in a relationship or through betrayal, we often have so many things that are coming up that are hard for us to own our sexuality and own it for us, for nobody else. And Amanda is going to help us walk through that process today. Okay, my friends, I am so excited this week to introduce you to Amanda Louder, and I'm going to let her start off by telling us about herself and how she ended up doing this work she's doing. So yeah, Amanda, thank you so much for being here. You are so welcome. I am so happy to be here with you. So yes, I'm Amanda Louder. I am a sex and marriage coach. I help men and women overcome the obstacles that are keeping them from creating a great sexual relationship. I work with women individually, men in small group settings, and I also occasionally work with couples as well. So it's really, really fun. I've been doing it for about five years now, and it really was not my plan. I did not grow up thinking that I wanted to be a sex coach. (laughs) That's so weird. I know, right? (laughs) But I always have had a fascination for um, psychology and relationships, like my AP psych class in high school was my absolute favorite class. I loved classes on psychology and marriage and stuff when I was in college. But I was married for the first time um, when I was 19. I didn't know much about sex other than just basic intercourse. I didn't understand my body. I didn't know how to have an orgasm. And basically, sex sucked for a very long time. 
And I hated it. I really hated it. I would just like do it the very minimum that I could to get him off my back. And I didn't have an orgasm for about 12 years. And it was miserable. (laughs) So our marriage was really struggling. And I decided maybe if the sex got better, then our relationship would get better. And so I decided that I needed to overcome a lot of my sexual shame and really dig in. And so I started learning about my body. I'd heard that maybe vibrators could help, but I was really hesitant because I thought that good women didn't use those kinds of things. And so I was talking to a couple of friends about it that are my same faith. And they were like, um, I was like, I've never had an orgasm. And they were like, what? <laughs> and um, and then, you know, I was like, I was thinking about buying a vibrator. And they were like, you don't have one. And I was like, you do? And so I promptly went on Amazon and I bought four. <laughs> and um, I ended up finally having my first orgasm and, and like things got better in the sexual realm, but our marriage was still really terrible. So we ended up getting divorced after 13 and a half years. I met my now husband just six weeks after my divorce was final. We fell in love and knew we wanted to be like getting married within 24 hours of meeting. It was insane, but we have been married for almost 11 years now. And like, I just adore him. I love him so much. We have an amazing marriage and we've always had a really good sex life. And so I, but I've continued to learn about marriage and sex throughout our entire marriage, just continuing on because it was so important to me to keep it a really good part of our life. And so when I got into coaching, I went on a girl's trip with a bunch of friends um, that were also coaches. And, you know, we talk about sex while we were on our girls weekend, because that's what we do as women. And by the end of the weekend, they were like, Amanda, you have to be a sex coach because we've learned more from you in this weekend than we have in 15 to 20 years of marriage. And I was like, oh, I I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. (laughs) But I felt really, um, the more I thought about it and I talked to my husband about it, we felt really good about it. And so I just kind of went gung-ho into it and my business exploded. And now I've been able to help hundreds, um, if not thousands of women through the work that I do. And I have a podcast called Sex for Saints that has over 1.1 million downloads and has, gosh, we're getting close to like almost 300 episodes, which is insane. But I love it so much. So yeah, that's me. (laughs) That's amazing. It's interesting because I didn't know all of your story. I've listened to like parts of your podcast and seen you on Instagram, but you sometimes miss the whole story in that. And um, so thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for following your heart of what it is, <laughs> you know, giving the support to the woman that you were 20 yes. years ago or whatever. And I think that's yes. mostly what we end up doing as women is like, okay, yeah, I needed this support and now I'm a place to give it. And it's so cool to be able to do that. It is. It so. is. I love it. It's so fulfilling. And I really feel like, I mean, this was my purpose here on earth is to do this, which is not what I expected, but it's been amazing. <laughs> yeah. I always think that too. I'm like, my job is what? I coach women who have had a partner come out. Like, yeah. what the heck? Right? <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, but what a gift it is. And thank you. Gift. And I yeah. know like when you say hundreds and then you said probably thousands, I'm like, of course you have helped thousands, whether it's through the yeah. podcast, whether individual yeah. coaching, whatever, you've touched so many lives and it's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So today we are going to talk about gaining back 
like feelings of safety and confidence and sex, which obviously you have experienced kind of in a different way than many of the women I work with. But I think um, you and I were discussing a little bit before we started recording that many of us have the same issues and insecurities with sex, and we've gotten there from different ways. And the women that I work with, whether they've experienced betrayal in their relationship or had a partner come out or often both, yeah. Um, we're left feeling like it was all our fault and we were the ones that, you know, that's why we had a bad sex life. That's why they had to sleep with somebody else. Like we put all these things on us or we've been told them directly by our partner. And yeah. now we're like, how do I ever have a healthy sex life again? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, um, I think we need to just say what it is that that kind of stuff is traumatizing. It yes. is traumatizing. And while a lot of times we think we can just like try to think our way out of it, when it comes to trauma and when it comes to sex, you can't just think your way out of it. And mm. you really have to address it in the body, which feels really scary, but it is the only way to work through it and recreate that safety that you need and want to have a good sexual relationship. I love that. I love that we have to work through it in the body. And that does sound a little bit scary, but will you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, where do we start working through it in the body? Yeah. So um, in addition to being, you know, trained as a life coach, I also have training in trauma and somatic work. So somatic work is in the body. And really what it's about is helping calm down our nervous system response that fight or flight, freeze, fawn response in the body so that we can engage safely. And we think that safety often comes from outside of us. It comes from our partner. And it, I mean, of course, everybody deserves to be in an emotionally and physically safe relationship. But um, but safety actually comes in from within and in your body and learning how to regulate your nervous system so that you can create your own safety and you don't keep having triggers um, is a process. It's not a one and done. Um, But the process that I take my clients through is really helping them identify what's happening in their body and then give them specific things that they can do. And And it's very individual. So it's not something that I can just say, okay, try this (laughs) because because that regulating the nervous system is so individual. Some people need to take a walk. Some people need a hug. Some people need to do something uh, rhythmic with their hands. Some people need to work on their breathing in addition to all those things. Like there's so many different steps to it that it's kind of hard to just say, okay, do this. Like it really is such an individual process. So, but figuring out what that is for you, like, what does it look like to calm my nervous system? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it really is so individual. So it's a matter of figuring out what's going on in the nervous system. How deep is it going? Because so fight or flight is kind of a... um top of the line response. Like that's what the majority of people do. But depending on how bad the trauma is and how deep it goes, it can go more instinctual, which is where you get like the freeze where you can't even like move or respond. Fawning kind of mixes in between the both, but it's, but those are typically, so figuring out what, what happens in your body. Do you fight? Do you freeze? Do you fawn? Or do you run away? And and that can be metaphorical or it can be literal. <laughs> yeah. And it can be in yourself or it can be directed at another person. And so figuring out all of those different things that you do 
and it might be different every single time. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't necessarily always do the same thing and then learning how to calm yourself down in certain ways. So breathing is always important. That helps stimulate the vagus nerve and helps regulate your system just through breath. Usually hugging someone is really helpful to help co-regulate your emotions. But if the person there that you like would you would need to hug you is also the perpetrator, then that doesn't work a lot of times. So um, sometimes we need to just go for a walk. Sometimes we need to wrap up in a blanket. Sometimes we need to do some yoga. I have a daughter who has a really hard time. She's bipolar. And so she's a really hard time regulating her emotions a lot of time. And like a little funny therapy technique that her therapist taught her when she was in school and she would start to have a panic attack is to move, just sitting in her chair, moving her feet up and down um, mm. so that she could, like it's that rhythmic movement that reconnects the um, logical side of our brain with the emotional part of our brain. And so we can get that through walking or running or just, I mean, even like knitting can be a rhythmic movement that we can use to regulate the nervous system. So figuring, just figuring out what works for you to calm yourself down. Once you're calm, then we can start to work on your, the thoughts that are going on in your brain and what's going on for you so that you can regulate it that way. Okay. Like when I think of this, I'm thinking, okay, so if we are starting to engage with somebody sexually and we're going mm -hmm. down that path mm -hmm. and we hit this point of like, holy crap, I don't feel safe. And the alarm's going off in our head. Um, yep. Like you're not safe. Like what do you suggest is there a way to explore this before we get to that? Or is it just a process in exploring with our partner? Um, it depends. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I figured that would be your answer. <laughs> it depends. Like, I mean, there's definitely parts that we can do beforehand. If you are still in that relationship with a partner that has triggered you, it might be more triggering to engage with them. And so depending on who they are and where they are, can you talk to them ahead of time and like, okay, if you start to see me disconnect, that means we need to stop. I might not even be able to voice that. But if you can tell that something has shifted in me, I need you to stop, right? Or if I start to feel triggered, I'm going to stop. And this isn't going to, this isn't a reflection of you. This is just like where I need to be and what I need to do for myself. And I need might need to take a break and then I might come back or I might just need to stop altogether. And having these kinds of conversations outside of the bedroom ahead of time, just kind of helping us understand and helping our partner understand what might need to happen is um, important, I think. Yeah. And this, like, I'm teary right now thinking about that because you would really need to be in a safe place with your partner. And it, this could be a beautiful way to gain back trust, to gain yep. back that those things that were broken. Yeah. Um, and it could also give you a very clear signal that this is not a safe place for you yeah. to be. Right. So it's going to be a learning experience either way of, yes. okay, this wasn't respected. This wasn't seen. And maybe I can't continue in this relationship. Yeah. Yep. And so that's a pretty good indication. If you have a partner who's not willing to consider your safety, <laughs> yeah, then like, of course, you don't feel safe mm -hmm. in that relationship 
to engage sexually because safety is paramount in the sexual relationship. We are not going to be able to engage sexually in a way that is good and productive and like where we have desire and pleasure if the relationship isn't safe. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say if somebody has, and these are broad strokes here, I know there's not a yeah. one size fits all. No. Um, if somebody has left their relationship and they're trying to work through some of these feelings, like they're wanting to gain back some confidence in themselves sexually without engaging with a partner mm-hmm. yet, like they know they're not ready for that. What are some yeah. things that you might suggest to help gain back our confidence in those relationships? Yeah. So I think really figuring out the safety piece for yourself. So, um, and this might sound a little strange, especially for maybe some of your audience that's maybe more conservative or, you know, strong Christian, but masturbation is actually a really excellent way to do this. And we're not just doing it just to get off for the fun of it or whatever. And I don't suggest like including porn or anything like that, but really using masturbation as a way to create safety in your body again and embrace your sexuality for you. So I almost think about it as a meditation Mm. where we, and whether you choose to, you know, have a vibrator or you're just using your hands and like the purpose isn't even to get all the way to orgasm, although that's totally fine. Um, But it's just a matter of being able to establish that safety within yourself by touching yourself in ways that feel good and feel pleasurable. There's also studies that show that when you're in a highly aroused state, that your brain is more neuroplastic. And so when we can get into a highly aroused state in a safe place that where we're, you know, doing it by ourselves, then that's often a really great place to work on our mind and the thoughts that we're having Mm -hmm. as a way to change things. And so that's what, so thinking about it more as like, this is for me, I'm doing this for me. It's not about another person. I am really big into embracing your sexuality for you. I don't think sexuality is legitimized in marriage. I think it's a gift that you have, you've been given by God for you for all different reasons throughout your life. Mm. And so the more that you can establish that in yourself and not think that your sexuality is about someone else or belongs to someone else, but it's really for you, I think can help establish that safety in your own body. I love that. And it is like we've been so, it's so ingrained in many of us that masturbation isn't okay or that it is for somebody else. Like our body is for somebody else to use and feel gratified by. And so I think that it's, it's such a powerful reframing in Mm -hmm. taking ownership of that. And when I was single in between divorces, I was still of the mindset that masturbation was not okay. And so it wasn't like a place for me that felt safe to go. Um, right. I would definitely rethink that now if I ever was on my <laughs> own again. Yeah. But um, like one of the things I did was go take pole dancing lessons yeah. when I was single. Yeah. And it was just like a, I mean, even that would feel scary and totally out of line for some people. But for me, it was like, I get to go feel sexy without anybody else Yes. paying attention to me or caring or whatever. And yes. it, it was a strength thing. And it like really connected me back to my body. And so for me, that was one way that I loved of just owning my own sexuality after having a kid, after being married mm-hmm. to a man that was gay and going through a divorce. It was really powerful for me. 
Yeah. So when I was, um, before, I was engaged to my now husband, but we weren't married yet. But I knew that there was some work that I needed to do in this area. And so one of the things I did for myself was I did boudoir photography. Love it. So I went and, you know, had a woman, I got like hair and makeup done and had a woman take my photos. And I mean, I ended up like giving them to my husband as a wedding gift, but it was really about seeing myself in a new and different way. And that I was beautiful. And so that's one of the reasons I actually do this for all of my guests at my retreats mm. is we we do hair and makeup and boudoir photography for all the guests because so many of us have been conditioned to see ourselves certain ways um, that aren't good and aren't helpful. And when we can really see ourselves in new ways that we are beautiful and we are sexy, even after we've had kids and we have stretch marks and maybe our weight isn't what we want it to be, but they, there's still beauty and sexiness there. Sexiness isn't about a size or a shape. It's really about owning what you got. And we all have something. Even if like, you know, something isn't the way that we want it, there are other things that we can choose to see good in. So, you know, I, I have always struggled like where I carry my weight in my stomach, but I have really good boobs. I have really good boobs. I love that. I I have great hair. I have beautiful eyes. And so I can focus on those things instead of on um, the things that I don't love. But I even, so at this last retreat in February, I did a session again for myself. And like, I noticed that my brain would, when I was looking through the photos, immediately go to the things that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. And I really had to like stop myself. And th- I mean, this is what I do for a living, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I literally had to stop myself and be like, no, I want to appreciate my body. I want to see the beauty that's there. And so, and it was life-changing again, as it is for all of my guests, because it really is so good to see yourself in nude and different ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. And we just discussed like three options there of ways that you might feel comfortable reclaiming your own sexuality. And the whole point is to figure out what feels right for you. Yes. Um, and your safety levels of those and those different things. I love that. And I think boudoir is such a huge one right now that there's more access to it, more opportunities. And it's just like, go get it done in a safe place. Like it really is empowering as your body shifts and changes and goes through all these things to see, holy crap, this body is beautiful and it's done so much good for me. Yeah. And most boudoir photographers are really good about hyping you up and making you feel safe. Like most that I know of are female and they only bring in female um, Mm -hmm. like hair and makeup people to keep it a really safe place for women because we, they know how vulnerable it is and how scary it can be. But man, I, everybody I know just loves it. So I think it can be really amazing. Yeah. And comfort levels of how much clothing do you want on and all of those yes. things. Like yes. that's totally optional and personal to you as well. So that's totally. an amazing thing. Yeah, I mean, I have like some women at the retreats who who don't feel as comfortable showing everything, yeah. which is totally fine. Like it, we always go to their comfort level. So they might like just put on like, um, like a man's button up shirt, like white just shirt or something. Super cute. You know, and with, and depending on lighting and positioning and stuff, you could be totally covered and still be so beautiful and so sexy yeah. and stuff. Like it's some of my favorite, but yeah, it's yeah. super fun. I had a friend once who really struggled 
in owning her body in her marriage, specific sex, specifically sexually. And it's like, well, wear lingerie. She's like, I just don't feel comfortable in the lingerie. Like I, whatever. I'm like, but you get to cover the parts you want to cover with lingerie. And if they want to take it off, that to me is like the notice of, oh, they want to see this. Like they want to see this out of the lingerie. They must like it. And I think there's a reframing there that it takes time, like you're saying, mm-hmm. to kind of reframe. And it's not just all mental. We have to feel safe. But I think there's power in that of owning. I get to cover the parts I want to cover with this lingerie. And and it's a win-win. Like they get excited. Yeah. I'm covered. And then if they want to take it off, they take it off. And it's like, hey. Or you can just say, I'm not comfortable taking this off. You can own totally. that too. But, <laughs> totally. But I've chosen to say if they want to take it off, then he must feel, want to see it. So yes, I love let that. Him see it. <laughs> but that can take time to get there. Um, yes. So yeah. Okay. One of the other things I was going to ask, and I think it just slipped my mind. I'm usually really good at writing notes. Um, <laughs> but I love those of ways to get us feeling confident outside of having a sexual partner. Like there are things we can do for ourselves that feel completely for ourselves. And I just really believe there's so much power in that, in yes. owning that for ourselves. What are some guidelines you give? Like, let's go specifically back to women who are Christian or raised in a very conservative way of, you know, no sex until marriage. Sometimes that can feel really scary going into a second marriage um, Mm -hmm. where maybe we've carried betrayal or things before of feeling like, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't been with this person. Is there something you suggest as we enter that? I mean, you kind of talked about that, like you did the boudoir masturbation, exploring these things for ourselves. Are there, is there a conversation to have around that as well? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I think if you're marrying someone again, uh, or, you know, a new partner, um, if you can't have these kinds of conversations, you're probably not ready or, or they're not the right person for you. So, um, when, so my first marriage was very, um, emotionally abusive. And so when it was time to move into the second marriage, I mean, he said all the right things, but he really did. Um, And not in a like trying to just call me down way, but like they were like authentic to him. Right. Mm -hmm. And like I expressed how I really struggled. So the abuse that I suffered in my first marriage was all um, our entire marriage revolved around my body, my weight, my size, how much I ate, how much I exercised, and nothing was ever good enough. And so I was probably at the heaviest that I'd ever been when I met my husband, my now husband. And I was pretty self-conscious about it. And, you know, he would say things like, you know, like, I love you no matter what. I love you just like this. Like, I want a real woman who, and I mean, you've had three kids. Like, I totally get that, but I want a real woman and you are a real woman. And that was so helpful for me. Um, But like even a few, we had been married for a few years and I lost about 40 pounds and I was feeling really good about myself and, you know, feeling like I had made some really good decisions and stuff. And he was like, I'm so proud of you. This is, you know, I always think you're beautiful, no matter what size you are. But just so you know, I miss your butt. And so if you wanted to gain some weight back, that would be totally fine with me. (laughs) And But he totally left it, you know, like up to me. Mm -hmm. Like it was totally fine. And I was like, oh, okay. Like it was just so foreign to me. 
And then when it came to sex, before we got married, we literally talked about everything. Mm. So before we got married, he was like, okay, do you like sex? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> like I've, I've worked really hard and I, and I really do like it. And he was like, okay, good. And so we talked about frequency. We talked about positions. We talked about things we were willing to do, things we're willing to try, things that were completely off the table. And the fact that we could honor that in each other made a big difference in how mm -hmm. we entered that sexual relationship. And the fact that we could talk about all of it made a big difference because that meant when things weren't working, we could talk about that as well. And so if you can't have those kinds of conversations, then either one, you're not ready or two, they're not the right partner for you. Okay. And I think right from the get-go, that was the response. I was like, this is what you need. You either need to be able to have these conversations. And if you can't, again, it might not yep. be your partner. It might be that you still need to do some work and that's okay. And that's totally okay. And second, along with that, can your partner respect where you're at? Can they have this conversation yes. with you? Can they give it the time and space you need? And if they can't, then then that's red flag. They're not a safe person for you. Yeah. And I have known some women who have gotten into new relationships and he seemed beforehand that he respected everything mm -hmm. and then it didn't. Yes. And that's really sad and unfortunate because, again, he wasn't being honest. And that's so yes. much about being safe in our relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that you honor yourself and honor your autonomy and honor your integrity and honor your safety. And if your partner can't respect that, whether it's before or after, then you do what you need to do to take care of you. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this conversation goes whether you're actually entering into a marriage or not. Like if you're right. just getting ready to have another sexual partner yep. and you're not sure if you're going to feel safe, have these conversations. And if you can't have a conversation about this, then again, it's probably not a safe partner for you to be engaging with. Um, yep. That's a red flag of, you know what, I'm already nervous and now I can't have an open conversation with this person. Might be time to turn and bail. Yep. Yeah. Which is yep. hard so, thing to come to so terms with. Trust yourself though. I think that's a really hard thing for some people is they don't trust themselves after mm -hmm. that. And it was really uh, part of that is learning how to trust yourself again and trust your instincts again. And just notice the feelings in your body when like what's happening. And I think most of us can tell when it's like instinctual and when it's trauma. Yes. And so just making that distinction is really important. A hundred percent. And that is why I do the work of we learn to trust ourselves again before we, <laughs> Yes, you good. don't have to trust anybody else as you're going through life in a relationship. The important thing is you trust yourself and then you understand where you can trust and where you don't feel safe. And it all comes back to that self-trust. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, okay. And one of the other things I love the question, do you like sex? Like that's a big deal to ask. Yeah. Do you like sex? And you might you might like sex and not know it yet just because of what you've been through in the past right. and be honest about that. Like I don't at this point, but I want to, like, I want to have that experience and that's okay to be in that place. Totally. And then I would say, you know, come see me. Yes. <laughs> so we can, yes. So we can figure out what's going on because sometimes it's, we don't like sex and sometimes it's, we don't like the sex that we're having. 
Exactly. And so yeah. we have to make that distinction. <laughs> yeah. Or how we've been treated or whatever, yeah. like all of these things or our past partner, we didn't feel safe with in so many ways. So why yeah. would we feel safe in the bedroom and all of those things? Yes. So, we yeah. wanted to work through all of that. <laughs> yes. I love that. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing these things with us. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I need more support, go find Amanda. She does have a like free thing you can go pick up now called the Roadmap to Personal Pleasure. Tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah. So this is a guideline that you can do either alone or with a partner. So whatever situation you're in, you can do, but it really just helps you figure out how you like to be touched and where you like to be touched. Because sometimes we think that certain things are supposed to feel good and they don't, but then we haven't yet discovered the things that do really feel good. And so it's just, it goes through all different body parts and erogenous zones and non-erogenous zones and trying different types of touch and different ways of touching to figure out what you like. So some of it you're not going to be able to do on your own, obviously, but like, I mean, you can't really tickle your own back, right? (laughs) But there's some things that you can do on your own that I think is really, really helpful. And it can be part of that. If you are on your own, that meditation and working with your body to help you feel safe in your body. I love that. I want to go pick that up just because I think there's so much power (laughs) in in getting to know yourself again and again as you go through life. Like our bodies change. So why wouldn't how we want sex to be or any of those things? So I'm going to go get that too. So that will be in the show notes. There'll be a link to that. You guys can go pick that up. And it all of Amanda's contact information and how you can work with her and follow her and get more information will be down there as well so that you can get the support you need as you make this journey. Thanks again, Amanda, for being here. Thanks for having me, Jessica. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you are looking for more, please, please go check out Amanda. She does such great work. She's got retreats. She does coaching, obviously, from what you've heard. And she also has a free roadmap for you to be able to reclaim your sexuality now to get you started on that process and get in tune with yourself and what it is you want and what you like and what you need and all of those things. You can pick up that free roadmap in the show notes. Please be sure to go grab that. It is free, you guys. So go jump on that and get the support that you need. And also, if you are looking for more now, go connect with Amanda and make sure you are taking what it is you need so that you can have the most fulfilling life that you can have in all of the ways. Have a great week.